Well, good morning and happy Friday, everyone. This is Bethany Clemenson with Be The Light Resources, and I'm here today filling in for my friend and colleague, Michelle Burkhardt. We're going to be talking about conflict resolution. So I know that you're used to hearing from Michelle, and boy, she really knows how to deliver some great value. So I encourage you to stay close to her because she is a fierce leader. So I'm sure you've heard Michelle share the quote with you by John Maxwell that says, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. While how you handle conflict is an absolute test of your influence and your leadership ability, successfully navigating conflict requires the skill to really connect with people and sometimes Let's face it, that can be really hard when emotions are high. So this morning, I'm going to give you four tips on how to handle conflict. All right, tip number one, manage you. Now, this may sound simple, but it's not as simple as it is, as it sounds. Um, Managing your emotions. So you have to recognize where your emotions are and then keep them in check. It can be difficult to remain calm when the person you're talking to can't tuck in their crazy because, well, they're emotionally charged about a situation. So in conflict, calm is your superpower. You've got to be able to remind yourself that what's happening around you isn't personal. A friend of mine years ago, when I first started uh, in a corporate role, she was a mentor to me, and she told me, above all things, you have to remember that when you're in a heated situation to not take it personal, and she gave me this acronym called Q-TIP, quit taking it personally. I, uh, I was in a situation where I was running a senior living community and I was the executive director. I also happened to be a nurse, and I had a nurse that worked with me as well. And there was a family member that just was very emotionally charged. She also happened to be a lawyer, (laughs) and she would get very upset if we weren't administering her mother's medications exactly at 7 p.m. at night. And, well, you know as well as I do that that when you're working with people, that sometimes things don't go as planned. So the staff maybe would be with somebody else across the hallway and they would ask for an extra item to be done and it may put them a minute or two minutes behind. Or once in a while there may be an emergency that required all of our staff to be attending to a resident that may be down the hall and in a different apartment. And this this family member did not recognize that that those things could happen and became very upset. And at one point during her mom's stay at our community, she actually hit my nurse. Like she pushed her shoulder. She, she kind of smacked her shoulder and then she pushed her. And I had to go manage that. My nurse came down the hall trying to remain calm, but she was shaking. Um, She was a very non-confrontational person, and I had to go down into the family member and tell her that wasn't okay, but also try to resolve the conflict. And I remember the closer I got to the apartment door, 
the the more I could hear my heart beating in my head, <laughs> and I felt myself being very anxious. And so I literally sat outside the apartment door on a bench for a few minutes, and I prayed a little bit and took some deep breaths to get my emotions in check before I went in that room. And that enabled me to not feed into her crazy and uh, to recognize that she was just in a place where she was struggling and then to remain calm. Um, we were able to, to resolve her concerns, but we weren't able to actually fix everything. But I actually ended up having to ask her not to come back into the community um, because she just could not um, maintain herself. So conflict is hard. I get it. So managing you, you obviously don't have control over anybody else's actions, right, or their behavior or their response to you, but you do have control over you. All right, number two, be real. If, if you're emotionally impacted by the situation, it's okay to share with the individual that you're emotionally impacted by the situation. Oftentimes in leadership roles, we have to have really hard conversations, and sometimes it may not start off as a conflict, but it can easily escalate to one, um, especially if we're, if we're doing uh, write-ups for people or we are terminating their employment. I found that as a leader, if I have ongoing conversations with people as we're going through the disciplinary process, and then when they're being terminated, it's not a surprise. Um, it really should not be a surprise to anyone when they're terminated. Obviously, if you're downsizing, things like that, that's a whole different ballgame, but that's a different situation. So I remember going into meetings to do disciplinary action with people that would be very defensive, and one way that worked for me to de-escalate that was to tell them that I was nervous, to just be honest. Like, Susie, I brought you in here today to talk with you about the fact that, that consistently in the last 10 days, you've been late seven of those days. And it, it makes me sad to have this conversation, and, and I'm nervous because I, I want you to still work here and I want you to be part of the team. And it's okay. Um, being real can de-escalate an emotionally charged situation before it even gets there. Now, I'll, I'm going to give you another example. Um, my daughter, she's 14, and she, uh, she and a good friend of hers have kind of drifted apart over the last six months. And um, my family and I were actually on the road. We sold our house and most of our belongings late last year, and uh, we bought a motorhome, and we're traveling the U.S. with our kids right now just for a few months, and then we're going to settle somewhere warm. And so my kids, who have always been in a small town, in a public school, <laughs> doing the things that normal kids do, have completely been ripped out of their normalcy, which, by the way, they voted for and um, opted into this situation. It wasn't forced on them but they are 12 and 14. So my daughter, who's 14, was really sad because her and her best friend haven't really talked for a couple of months. And I said, Have, what, did you, what did she say when you talked to her about it? And she's like, well, I haven't talked to her about it. I, I'm scared. What if she's not my friend anymore? And, and I said, what if she's feeling the same way? What if she's scared too? What if she is scared that you've gone on with this amazing 
enter and, and that she doesn't fit into your life anymore. You have no idea unless you have that conversation. And, and my daughter was really, really worried about reaching out to her because of, well, fear of rejection, really. We're all afraid of that, which is, you know, part of conflict, too. None of us want to be rejected. None of us want to be disliked. So um, my daughter did finally reach out to her friend. She actually sent her a text knowing that she was in school, and her friend um, messaged her back over lunch and said, I can't wait. Let's, let's talk. I miss you so much. And they were on the phone for almost two hours. Um, that night after her friend got home from track practice. And so not, I'm not saying that everything always ends with rainbows and sunshine. It doesn't. Um, and I did prep her for the fact that if her friend did not message her back, that did not make her less than. And that did not mean that, um, that she wasn't worthy of friendship. It just meant that right now it, it wasn't the time for it. So being vulnerable and being real can really, really help when you're dealing with a conflict because it shows the other person that you're normal too and that you have feelings too. So, all right, number one was manage yourself. Number two was be real. And number three is listening to learn and not to respond. Now, if you've been in any kind of communication or leadership training, you've probably heard this, listening to learn and not to respond. So I have an acronym to share with you that you can use um, to resolve most any kind of conflict situation, whether it's a customer service issue or a misunderstanding. Um, this, this acronym could help you walk through the process and help to keep you calm. So it's of the word LEARN, L-E-A-R-N, and the L stands for listen. And again, you want to listen to learn, not to respond. And the E stands for empathize. When someone is upset and they're highly charged because of a conflict, you want to hold space for them. Um, Brene Brown is a shame and vulnerability researcher, and she's based in Texas. And if you haven't read her books or listened to a TED Talk by her or anything by her, I highly recommend that you do that, and um, you can find her stuff on YouTube pretty easy. Brene is her first name, B-R-E-N-E, and Brown is her last name. So she describes empathy as connecting to the emotions that underpin an experience. So oftentimes, we can be tempted to kind of pat people on the head, so to speak, when, when they're telling us a situation and that, that makes them feel small. So we may say things like, if someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm really having a problem with uh, my coworker, Janet, and you can, you know, something that would not be empathetic would be to say, well, then just don't work by her. Go over by Susie and work with her. You have a, at least you have a great relationship with Susie. Anything that begins with the words at least when someone comes to you and needs to be heard makes them feel small. So empathizing and at least don't go together in any form. Um, and Brene Brown actually has a really short video on this on YouTube. If you search for Brene Brown and empathy, it's really good. And it's 
excellent to share with team members. All right, so we have a listen and we have empathize. The A is apologize. This can be a hard one because, well, let's face it, we don't want to be wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong. But here's a way to look at apologizing differently. So even if you had nothing to do with the situation, you can say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. That doesn't mean that you're wrong and they're right. It just means that you value the relationship more than your ego. Now, as a leader, you may have people come to you and tell you that you have hurt them in a big way. Maybe you didn't look at them when you were going down the hallway or greet them and they fabricated this big story about how you don't care or about how you're rude or, or you're disconnected from your team, whatever that may be. Here's the thing. <laughs> you judge yourself by your intention, but other people judge you by your action. And even if it wasn't your intention to hurt somebody, if they tell you that you've hurt them, you need to apologize because you don't have the right to say that you didn't. That's, that's, a, that's a them and them thing. Your responsibility is to make it better, to validate them, and to let them know that you're sorry. And it doesn't mean that they're right and you're wrong because perception is reality for everyone involved. It just means that you value the relationship more than your ego. Um, putting your ego aside is a big deal anytime you're dealing with conflict. All right. Next letter is R, repair. Do what needs to be done to fix the situation and move forward. Now, that may not mean that you have a solution right then and there to fix the problem. It may be a six-month or five-year plan even to fix it, or maybe it's not fixable at all. Maybe there's an alternative you can put in place. But make sure whatever that next step is, that you're communicating that to the person that has come to you and that they understand how to move forward. All right, the last letter, N, stands for next steps. Follow-up is key after your initial conversation, regardless of what the conflict or the hard conversation was. You want to follow up to be sure things are resolved or that they're moving forward towards resolution. Why? Because that helps people feel valued. Above all, in leadership, we want people to feel seen, heard, and valued, period. Actually, if we're honest, don't we all want that in life? We all want to feel seen, heard, and valued. And following up with people after there's been a situation where there's been emotions involved can really help foster those strong relationships at work and outside of work. All right, the last one, number four, focus on connecting. The Harvard Business Review reports that the number one criteria for advancement and promotion for professionals is an ability to connect and communicate effectively. So when someone comes to you with a problem, that LEARN acronym that we just talked about can be vital to success and to connecting with that person. 
you want to focus on understanding where they're coming from. doesn't mean they're, they're right and you're wrong. It just means you focus on understanding the situation. Asking open-ended questions so you can understand, and then valuing people. Approaching everyone with the attitude that we all have value to bring. Now, it's just been 20 minutes, and I know I've covered a lot. I'm going to highlight the four tips, and then I have one more bonus tip for you on this Friday. So number one, manage you, manage your emotions, know what you can control, and don't take things personally. Q-tip, quit taking it personal. Remember, calm is your superpower. Number two, be real. If you're nervous, it's okay to say you're nervous. If this is a hard conversation for you, it's okay to say that. You'd be surprised how being vulnerable can diffuse highly emotional situations. Number three, listen to learn and not to respond. And the acronym LEARN, listen, empathize, apologize, repair, and next steps. And then number four, focus on connecting. All right, I have one more bonus tip. And um, for me, in a leadership role, I, when, I first, when I stepped into my first leadership role, I actually had been an emergency room nurse. So the biggest thing I had ever led was like when someone was coding, um, I'd be helping with CPR. I hadn't ever led or built a team before. And I, uh, I got hired. Um, looking back, I'm not sure why they hired me uh, because I knew nothing. But uh, I got hired to open up and run a senior living community in this small town where I was living in Iowa. And, um, and I really had no idea what I was doing. But it, it, it became apparent early on that there were going to be conflicts, and I was going to have to get really good at having hard conversations. And I learned the hard way in leadership that the best thing that you can do when you have people that are having conflicts is to bring them together and address it head on as soon as you learn about it. Um, there's a lot of different personalities and there's a lot of different ways that people communicate and oftentimes people just misunderstand each other. We all can find common ground. And uh, one thing that Brene Brown says is that it's really hard to hate people up close. And that's true. When, when you put people in a room and you can come together for a common goal, you can typically find common ground in there somewhere. So, um, there's going to be personality conflicts, and a lot of times it can happen between two people. So here's my bonus tip when you're dealing with two people that can't seem to get along and you're their leader. So I would recommend that you meet with both of them individually and then arrange a meeting where you're the third person with both of them to support them in having a conversation about where they're at. Speak with both of them about how to act in the meeting. Now, I know this sounds maybe even um, juvenile, like you're talking to them childishly, but that's not the case. You've got to lay ground rules so they know what the boundaries are because you have no idea many times what people's emotional intelligence is. 
and how they respond if things get heated. So you've got to lay down some ground rules when you're bringing people together for a conversation where they've been hurt. So you can say you want to use statements that, are, that talk about yourself, I statements, not blaming statements, but I felt this way, I felt that way, um, that it's not okay to disrespect each other, and then describing what disrespect sounds like or looks like, that you cannot yell or raise your voice, and, and then it's okay to not answer a question. And, and just bringing that sense of calm to the situation as you bring them in. And then you'll also notice in conflict that blaming can rear its ugly head because when we blame other people for what's happening, it tends to give us a sense of control. But it's really corrosive in having true, real, authentic relationships so watch out for this. Watch for it in yourself and on your teams. Um, so when you're bringing people together to resolve a conflict, just letting them know that blaming each other isn't an appropriate way to resolve that. Now, if you have a team that is maybe struggling with blame or a team member that's struggling with blame, I have a great resource for you. Again, this comes from Brene Brown. I can't help it. I'm a great big fan of hers. And if you go to YouTube and you punch in Brene Brown and blame, there's a video that's like three minutes long, and it just talks about what blame is, why we do it, and how to stop it. And it's funny, and it's engaging, and it's a great, great training tool. Um, I used to be a corporate culture trainer, and I would travel all over to our senior living communities, and we would train every single staff member at every single community on our company culture. And we talked about blame and we talked about empathy. And I used both of these videos that I've told you about um, from Brene Brown. And those were the videos that I, I got emails about. People would say, I took this home and showed it to my family at Thanksgiving. <laughs> or I called my sister and had her watch it and we couldn't believe how much we blame people or whatever. So, so I hope that this adds value to you today. So. Out of the four tips and the bonus tip, um, I hope that as you go through the next seven days that you're able to see how you can manage conflicts better and uh, maybe even have some tools to take to the teams and the people that you're leading in your, in your professional and your personal life. So um, I'm not sure how Michelle ends your week, but I have a phrase I'm sharing with you um, that actually she had shared with me at another point in time. So as we end the call, I, I want to challenge you to be self-aware of how you're handling conflict, to be sure that you're using your superpower, which is remaining calm, and that you're connecting well with others as you go about this next week. I'm holding an image of you being intentionally influential, amazing, amazingly aware, and persistently present and leading yourself and others well in your personal and professional life. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you have a great week, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon.